In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My family has spent a great deal of time in the mountains of North Carolina over the last few years, especially with the pandemic. And one of the questions that often arises as we are driving along those curvy and winding roads in the middle of what feels like just a whole bunch of trees is, how in the world did this road come to be here? How was this place, this path, discovered? After a long while of answering, of asking this question, my mother finally discovered a theory in a book she read about the area. Now, this may be a well-known theory to you, but it was news to me. The theory goes that first, the bears made paths through the forest. Then, the indigenous peoples who first roamed that land used those bear paths to travel from point A to point B, further solidifying the paths. Then, those first settlers who displaced the indigenous peoples made use of those paths, and centuries later, we now have these roads where those early bears first trod. Now, I'm not sure how accurate this theory is, but I really like thinking about it as I'm driving or walking those roads because it not only reminds me of our history and our responsibility we have to care for one another better than we have in the past, but it also draws me into wondering what it would have been like to walk that very land on those very paths all those years ago. I wonder how those who had no sense of direction got around without a GPS or a road sign. As I complain about the fact that it takes 45 minutes to travel 17 winding miles, I wonder how long it would have taken those who came before us to traverse those same 17 miles. As I ease my gas pedal down in order to push my car up and over every hill, I find myself wondering how tired their leg muscles must have been even after just one hill. And as my car travels smoothly over the black asphalt, I wonder what rocks or holes or roots they once had to trample over and through to arrive at their destination. After centuries of technological advancements, I think it is safe to say that we have somewhat lost a sense of what it would have meant to forge a path, to make a path through something such as dangerous and wild as that landscape. But those ancient hearers of Luke's gospel most likely would have had a pretty good idea. And they therefore would have understood more, more tangibly just what God was asking of them. That is to say, when John the Baptist quotes Isaiah 40 in our gospel reading this morning and tells the people to prepare the way of the Lord by making paths straight, by filling up valleys and bringing down mountains, by straightening out winding paths and smoothing over rough terrain, they would have understood just how demanding the spiritual task 
to which John was calling them would be. They did not have the luxury of a car or a GPS system. They did not have comfortable tennis shoes or sunscreen. They did not have asphalt or gas pedals or road signs. They were a people who were of the land, who walked and tilled and lived close to their own mountainous, rocky, rough, and wild landscape. But this is why the metaphor works, because the difficult physical terrain in which they lived likely mimicked the social, cultural, and spiritual terrains which shaped their lives. Isaiah 40, the words which John the Baptist quotes in our gospel reading, was written for a people in exile, a people oppressed and fearful of what was to come. Centuries later, those who, addressed, those who John addressed um, were living under the oppression of the Roman Empire. Both groups were in a rugged, wild, chaotic, and untamed wilderness of sorts, cut off from power or control over their own lives, marginalized, oppressed, traumatized, and possibly feeling even a little bit lost. And so I think that this is an important reality to remember because even in the midst of all of that, the word of God came to them and they were called to an enormous and crucial spiritual task just as we are today, preparing the way of the Lord. And I feel the weight and enormity of that task this year more so than ever before as we journey through our second pandemic Lent, Advent, we're in Advent. To be honest, when I first read this passage, my immediate thought was, oh no, it is not the time to be preparing pathways, not right now. We've been living in a pandemic for longer than any of us thought we would, though this year is better than the last. Right after getting through one variant, we are facing the potential fallout of another. We have lived amidst political and social division for a while now, and forging a new path in the midst of the wilderness and chaos of our current existence just feels a bit unwise. Because both in the world and possibly even within our own spiritual lives, there is too much that is unknown too many stumbling blocks to plan, too many pitfalls of trauma into which we might potentially fall. It can feel as if there is no clear path ahead and definitely no discernible GPS guiding us. And there might even possibly be a little bit of fear about where we are going. But our readings this morning point us to the reality that this is precisely the place where we are called to forge that path in the wilderness. Not when we are high on life and feel as if everything is under our power and control, but in the wilderness where all is chaos and nothing feels as if it is certain. In our gospel reading this morning, the author sets up a dichotomy between the seven rulers of the earthly realm of that place and a lone preacher in the wilderness, John the Baptist. 
by literally naming Emperor Tiberius, Pontius Pilate, Herod, Phyllis, Philip, Lysanus, Annas, and Caiaphas, and then proclaiming that the word of God came not to them, not to those in power, but to the one in the wilderness, the one on the margins of society, the one who suffered at the hands of those very people in power. By doing this, the author is making a very profound theological statement that the word of God comes to the ordinary among us, to the lowly among us, to the marginalized among us. That the word of God comes to us in the wilderness of our lives, and the word of God comes to call us to forge a path in the midst of that very wilderness. So this Advent, in order to prepare for the Advent of Christ, the inbreaking of the Word of God, we must prepare our hearts and our minds by filling up valleys and bringing down the mountains of our hearts, perhaps by remembering that we are beloved children of God, though no more beloved than our friends and our enemies. We must straighten out the winding paths in our hearts and smooth out some of that rough terrain, possibly by returning once again to practices of prayer we might have let fall to the wayside, or examining whether our desires and priorities are those that align with God. Or perhaps this work of of preparation entails something entirely different for you. But regardless of what it entails, I would venture to guess it feels as if it is a task which requires the whole of yourself, the whole of your heart and your mind and your body, because God wouldn't ask for anything less. But in the face of the enormity of this task, there is good news. First, This path of preparation is one which has been forged before us by those of God who have come before us, who have traveled ahead of us and were kind enough to share their experiences of life with God. Second, we know that we do not walk this path alone because we have each other. And finally, we have in fact been given a GPS of sorts courtesy of St. John the Baptist, the call to repentance. John's words serve to guide us along our path by reminding us that we are to prepare our hearts and our minds and our bodies and our world for the advent of Christ through the practice of repentance. Now, true repentance, metanoia in the Greek, literally means to change one's mind, to turn around, to reorient oneself. So what John is asking us to do in order to prepare a way for the Lord is to reorient our hearts, our lives, our minds, to the life and heart and mind of God, to turn around in the midst of the chaos of our lives and look for the God who breaks into and works within that chaos to change our minds and set them on the things of God, on abundance and peace and grace, and to return to the way of the Lord, to the way of love and grace and forgiveness, 
This is the path which fills every valley and brings down every mountain within ourselves and within the world. It is the path which makes the crooked path straight and the rough places smooth. And it is the path which sets us free from the bondage of worldly things and allows all flesh to see and know and experience the salvation of God who shines into the darkness and chaos of our lives and guides our feet into the way of peace. <laughs> 